knowing God. Kind of a strange, maybe missionary message. Shouldn't it be about going? Shouldn't it be about doing? Shouldn't it be about uh, seeing the gospel spread throughout the earth? Well, the reality is this. You cannot let somebody know something that you don't know yourself. You can't go and tell others about Jesus unless you know him first. And this is a message that the Lord has put on my heart in Italy, and I've shared this a couple of times now in different churches, because I think as the body of Christ, we need to go back to this basic element of knowing God. In Daniel, it says this, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Remember the prerequisite, knowing God before you do great exploits. Because sometimes we get the cart before the horse. We want to do incredible things. But we've got to get that foundation. Do we know God? Do we know know Him intimately? So let's pray before we begin. Um, Lord, thank you that you are a personal God and that you have taken incredible steps to know us. You have sacrificed your son on the cross so that we can enter into that place of personal, intimate relationship with you, God our Father. And we thank you for that. And I pray that today as we just look at your word, and we learn about knowing you, that you would grow us into an intimacy with you that is so profound and is deeper than we're at at this current point. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to grow in intimacy with you. We want to learn what it means to know you. So Lord, thank you for this day. I just pray your Holy Spirit would come and lead us into truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first point, why? Why do we need to know God? Well, our YWAM motto is this, to know God and to make him known. Because, like I said, you can't let the world know something that you don't know yourself. So our founder, Lauren Cunningham, back in the mid-60s, when he began the organization, said, this is going to be our motto as an organization. We need to learn to know God, to grow in this knowledge of who God is. And then from that place of knowing, we can go out and let him be known. First step in the mission world is to know God. But also it's important to realize this. John 17.3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. It's the beginning of eternal life. It's the beginning of salvation is to know God. And another verse that, that actually frightens Debbie and I, because many times we think about this, we think about 
Oh, we're missionaries on the mission field. We're doing this for God. We're doing that for God. We're speaking about him. We're sharing him. And then we read this scripture in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, and it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know, it's interesting to note, religion and religious acts is not the equivalent of salvation. Salvation is knowing God and knowing him intimately. Knowing him in a depth of understanding of who God is and entering into that personal relationship with him. That is salvation, not religious acts and not religion. But the dilemma is this. We live in a world that is saturated with a worldview that's contrary to biblical thinking. We live in a culture that has really been almost inundated and led by a very Greek way of looking at life, as opposed to a biblical way of looking at life. What is the difference? Um, It's simply this, doing versus being. It's what you know versus who you know. It's a holistic view of life versus a compartmentalized or segmented way of life. And what I mean by this is, like, for example, when Jesus would heal someone, many times, what did he say to them after he healed them? Don't sin again. There is an interconnectedness between sin and health. Because in a biblical worldview, it is all connected. It's not what you know. It's not just what you're doing. It is being. It is knowing God intimately. It's not just about doing acts for him, but knowing him. And it's from that level of relationship that we go and impact the world. It's not just about doing. It's about being. It's about into that relationship. So, what is the biblical understanding of knowledge? What does it mean when we say to know God? Well, the Greek word to know is this word gonosko or gonosko. It means to learn to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of. One way to describe it it is knowledge gained by experience, by an active relationship between the one who knows and the person or thing known. It's not just about knowing facts. And this is great sermon to do in Italian because we have two words for to know in Italian. Conoscere or sapere. Uh, sapere is the knowledge of facts. Conoscere is the knowledge of a person. It's relational. So when the Bible says to know God, it's just not knowing about God. 
It's just not knowing, well, I know what the Bible says about God. I've got my doctrine straight. I know the four spiritual laws. When the Bible says to know God, it means that you have an intimate relationship with God. That you are walking with Him on an experiential level. You are experiencing God on a daily basis. We read the Word for this reason. To know God. To grow in our relationship with Him. To grow in our intimacy with Him. John 5.39 said, Jesus, this was his commentary to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. Knowing God is not doctrinal, but it's relational. God is wanting us to know more than just facts about him. He's wanting us to know him. To grow in that relationship. To grow in that intimacy. If we ever want to impact this world for Christ, it's not going to be just our ability to teach a Bible study. It's going to be our ability to relate who is God. It's going to be our ability to be able to share with people, this is my God. This is who he is. And he wants a personal relationship with you. Not just facts, but relationship. And in fact, the word know is used in Genesis 4.1. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. When the Bible talks about knowing God, it's an intimate knowledge. And in fact, it's used, the same word is used for that, that sexual intercourse between a man and a woman is to know that's the level of knowledge that God wants us to have with him. He wants us to grow in that knowledge of him. He wants us to grow in that intimacy with him. So, we come to the next pause. What are the steps to knowing God? And I want to say this, first of all, in regards to this message. Your relationship with God is personal. I'm going to give you some steps that are some general steps. But you need to seek the Lord and say, God, how can I know you more? What do I need to do to grow in my intimacy with you, in my knowledge of you, in my ability to relate with you? What do I need to do? I'm going to give you some things that I feel like the Lord kind of put on my heart when I thought about this message, when I thought about what God wants to do in regards to to knowing us personally. But I also want to say ahead of time that I want you to encourage you to really seek the Lord. What do you need to do for your personal relationship with God to grow that intimacy, to grow in that knowledge of who God is? So, let's look at the first step. First step is simply to believe. Many times we think as Christians that we've got the belief in God, we've got the market. We believe in God. At least we can say that. In the church, we believe in God. But it's interesting, years ago, the the church here introduced us to the the Truth Project that was done by Focus on the Family. And one of the haunting questions in there is, 
do you believe that what you believe is really true? I think, and I struggle with this, sometimes do I really believe the things that God says about himself? Do I believe what I read in this book? Do I believe that Jesus is really real? Do I believe that I can put my life in his hands completely and trust him for everything? If we want to go out in the world and make a difference, we need to answer that question. Do we believe? Do we, have we really put our trust and our faith in Jesus? Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Hebrews 11.6 goes on to say, And without faith it is impossible to, to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, then he rewards those who seek him. It is through faith that we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And without faith, without belief in him, it's impossible to please God. To draw near to him, the first requirement is you have to believe in him and believe in all of him, in all of the word, in the things that he shares with you, in the things that he speaks to your heart. Have faith in who he is. Unbelief will block our intimate knowledge of God. And the Bible warns believers about unbelief. We know the world doesn't believe in God. But it's incredible the amount of scriptures that talk to believers and say, believe, trust. We have to deal with unbelief. The world doesn't know God, but we do. But do we believe God? Are we walking in that? Next step. Probably the hardest one. Probably the hardest one because we're a people of action. We want to do things. We want to get out there and get things done. And yet, if we want to grow in our intimacy with God, one of the things we have to do is we have to learn how to be still, how to be quiet in his presence. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I think that we live a very distracted life. Distractions fill our day. It was interesting, the other day I read on Facebook and somebody was talking about, you know, uh, whether uh, this generation is more green than the past generation. And one of the things that it said in this little story is this person talked about in the old days, uh, there was only one electrical outlet in the living room because there was only one electrical appliance. That was the TV with the screen of size of a, of a handkerchief. That was the only thing that was in the living room. 
I mean, today, think of all the electronic devices we have around us. We have our cell phones, we have our, our tablets, we have our computers, we have the TV, we have uh, you know, the radio, we have everything that's here. And many times, those things can become a distraction to knowing God. We have to find that place for each of us, and it's very personal, wherever that place is, where you can be still and know God. Maybe it's going to the mountains. Maybe it's going to the beach. Maybe it's going to the closet in your house and shutting the door. John Wesley's mom used to put a, a, a handkerchief or a scarf over her head, and that was her quiet time with God. And She would tell the kids, do not disturb me. I am having my time with God. And that was her place of being still before God, even with things around her. But she was able to discipline herself to do that, to be still before God and to know him. So find that place. Find that place. Next step. I love this picture. Have you guys seen this picture? It's, it's a wonderful, I, I don't know if you can see it so well. It's so cool. Look, look for it on, on Google. Um, we need to embrace the Father. We need to embrace God. Let me read the scripture in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is something we have to understand. The enemy from the very beginning has tried to distort the nature and character of who God is. He's tried to say, is God really like that? Can you really trust that God? Does he have your best interest in heart? Does he really care about you? Is he holding something back? Even as our young people, sometimes the struggle is, the, the, the comforts, the, the, the desires of the things in this world seem more, so much more attractive than following after God. And sometimes I think the enemy puts that in their life. Oh, it's not really fun to be a Christian. Not very exciting. And it's a lie. We need to embrace who is God. How has he revealed himself in the word? Debbie, for years, was going to the Lord saying, Lord, give me a word. I want to know you. I want to, I, I, I want to know you more. And, and what's the new word? What's the new revelation? God spoke to her heart, and she, she said, I'm good. Well, I kind of know that. And he said, know it more. And she said, okay. You know, so she kind of worked on that. Okay, God is good. God is good. And looked in things around her and said, I know that God is good. And then she kind of came back to the Lord. Lord, give me a word. I'm good. Well, yeah, I kind of know that. I'm good. 
And the Lord kind of worked that into her heart for a year of just that, that reality, I am good. You can trust me. I have good things for your life. I'm working good inside of you. I am good. We need to embrace the revelation that God has given us of who he is. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, it says this, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Again, the battle in this world is really against this false image of God. To know God is to destroy these arguments, to destroy these opinions, to destroy these thoughts that are contrary to biblical revelation of who God is. One person did this exercise, and it was very incredible when you think about this. One of the descriptive terms of God in the Bible is God is, anybody? God is love. He is holy, but it's interesting. He also describes himself, God is love. And what's amazing is the Bible gives us a really clear description of what love is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Take some time this week. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Look at the description of what love is. And apply that to God your Father. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Think about that description of who God is. And think about your own concept or your own perception of God the Father. Does it line up? Is that the way that you would describe God? The way that he defines love? His word says that he is love. And his word says this is what love is. That's who our God is. We need to embrace that. Hold on to it. Because as we do that, the obstacles that can come by our false images of God, can be destroyed, and we can know God intimately. Next step. Next step is to center. Again, talking about love. We need to center our life in love. In my context of of serving God in Italy... I have to say that sometimes the church is not a very good example of love. The church in Italy can be, and this is obviously generalizations can get you in trouble, okay? So please understand this generalization. Many times the church in Italy can be very judgmental. It can be very divisive. It can be very critical. And really it's the church around the world because we're people and many times we act this way. But if we want to know God, 
we need to center in this primary aspect of who he is. He's love. We need to walk in love. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to walk in acceptance. We need to walk in, in, in uh, an attitude that's not so critical, that's not so willing to tear down. In an attitude that says, I love you. I know you're not perfect. I know you make mistakes. But I love you. I'm with you. That's who our God is. We need to center our lives in love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Very simply, you can know the depth of someone's intimacy with God in their ability to love others. In the areas that you are struggling in loving others is the areas you need to grow in your intimacy with God your Father. Because the Bible is very clear. To know God is to love. In the areas where you do not know God, there is a lack of intimacy with God your Father. We need to grow in that love. We need to center our life in love. So unloving Attitudes indicate a lack of intimacy with God. And we see here that love comes from God. Love is salvation and knowledge of God. We see the connection there between knowing and the salvation. And wherever there is not love, there is not the knowledge of God. Because God is love. Okay, our last step. I saved the hardest one for last. And the reality is simply this. If we want to be world changers, if we want to be a people that make an impact on this world, we're going to have to die to ourselves. We're going to have to see the reality of the cross working in our lives if we're going to make an impact in this world. So if we want to know God, we have to learn how to crucify. We have to learn how to lose everything to know Christ. Philippians 3, verse 8 through 11. This is interesting. This is at the end of Paul's ministry. Like I shared yesterday, I was recently in, in the church in Rome that, that, that holds the supposed shackles that Paul was brought to Rome in when he was led as a prisoner uh, to Rome and eventually gave his life for the Lord there. Well, he wrote these words from a jail in Rome. And this is what he said. He said, Indeed, I count everything as loss, Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. 
and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The reality of the Christian life is simply this. There can be no resurrection without a crucifixion. There can be no power without laying some things down, laying down maybe our own rights, our own privileges, our own lives to be able to go and share the love of God. God wants to do some incredible things in this world and he wants to use us to do it. But many times the things that get in the way more than anything is, is us, our own stuff, our own baggage. And we need to be able to lay that stuff aside and say, God, everything I have is yours. There's nothing I have that you did not bring into my life, either by giving me the ability to go work, by giving me that job. Whatever it is that we have, it's because of his grace in our lives. And we need to be ready and willing to say, Lord, I'm laying it down for you. I don't need it. I want you. I want to know you. I want to grow in that knowledge of you. I want to share you in this world. So, Lord, help me to crucify those things. If there's something in the way of following you, of knowing you, I want to lay it down right now. So, what is God doing? What he's doing right now, go ahead and go to the next slide. He's really calling us to a deeper relationship with him because it is from this depth of relationship it is from this intimate knowledge of who he is that he can use us to go and make an impact in the world but I also realize that for many of us there's probably obstacles to that we've shared some of those here and for those of you who want to we put a little spot on the bottom of your bulletin And maybe take a moment to think about what are some obstacles that are in your life to a more intimate knowledge of God through your Father? What are some things that are blocking you from going deeper with God? What are some things that you need to lay aside so you can grow in that relationship with God? I'm just going to challenge you maybe to jot some things down here. And then during the last song, what I ask you to do is maybe, if you want, to go ahead and tear that strip off, just to, kind of as a response to the Lord. And we have a basket here before the cross. Let's leave it there. Let's make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, I know that this is stopping me from intimate relationship with you. And I don't want it in my life anymore. So I'm going to get rid of it. So write it down. 
drop it there, just at the foot of the cross, just acknowledging, Lord, I don't want this to stop me from knowing you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are calling us to know you so that we can make you known in this world. And we know, Lord God, that that really the requirement for us to be able to share you is to know you. That we need to grow in our intimacy with you. We need to grow in our knowledge of you. We need to grow in in that, that just that place of being in your presence and embracing you and acknowledging who you are and growing in our personal relationship with you, Lord Jesus, with you, Father, with you, Holy Spirit. So right now, we just want to lay aside any obstacles. We want to lay aside anything that is blocking us from knowing you in a deeper way because we want to go into the deep end. We want to go away from the shallows, and we want to grow in you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this this congregation of heroes that helps support so many of us to go out and do a work for you. Lord, use this body in even a greater way to impact Riverside, to impact this nation, to impact the world. In Jesus' name, amen.